everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is I Need No Name, and once again, today I am joined by Teddy's son on his second ever podcast. Sorry for the delay from our last podcast we did. It is just the simple fact that we are all super duper busy, especially since the season has just ended and we could not get any time this past week to record a single flagship episode. But we are back and there is plenty to talk about. So, Teddy, first of all, how have you been? Uh, I've been good. Um, the season has ended, like you said. I don't think it's been too alien not having to watch uh not having to watch football every week but uh i'm doing pretty well despite the absence of Bayern, and i'm looking forward to obviously germany and the next international break coming up and otherwise i'm doing pretty well just trying to process what went on in our season and uh what we're going to do in terms of the transfer market going forward all that stuff yeah exactly so basically transfers are the hot topic at the moment and we need to talk about the biggest transfer rumor at the moment we have sort of touched upon this in previous podcasts but we didn't really emphasize it because it seemed very unlikely but now it seems like Sadio Mane to Bayern Munich is a transfer that really could happen according to Florian Plettenberg of Sky Sports the transfer could even be as cheap as 30 million plus add-ons and then Mane's transfer I mean sorry his salary demands are lower than what we pay someone like Leroy Sané so given what we know so far it looks like Hassan Salihamidzic and Julian Nagelsmann they really want Sadio Mane and I just want to ask you Teddy what do you think about Mane to Bayern Munich um well, if this does go through, let's say it does, it would easily be our biggest transfer since 2019 or something like that. So in terms of big name signings, I do think it would be a, a huge boost and not to mention it would also help with our marketing in terms of the African market. But on the flip side, I am kind of worried um, because a lot of big name signings we've seen, not just for Bayern, but for world football overall we've seen so many big sign big name signings flop or not live up to their price tag you see the likes of Usman Dembele, Paul Pogba, Felipe Coutinho etc etc and I'm wondering if Sadio Mane is going to be one of those transfer flops now I know he's a proven player I know he's a world-class player and I know he's one of the best players that Liverpool has to offer and it would be a huge privilege to have him on our team but on the flip side, I can't help but wonder, is this going to be a good transfer if it goes through? How would he fit in with the current way that we play? Or would he fit in at all? That's So at the moment, there are a lot of big questions that keep looming. But, but I have to say that I am a little excited, cautious, but excited about it. Uh, the money transfer, what I'll tell you is that I'm a little bit skeptical, first of all, whether it is actually the real deal. I know that Plattenberg has been right so far. Even Liverpool high-tier journalists are reporting that Mane does want to leave or at least is considering leaving and Bayern Munich are the leading candidates to sign him. But even so, I don't know if this is just a ploy by him to get a better contract out of Liverpool because I don't understand why he would leave Liverpool at this stage of his career. It doesn't really make 
much sense. But then again, look at us and Lewandowski leaving, and it doesn't make much sense for Lewandowski to leave either. So maybe it's just another case where they want a change of scenery and nothing can stop them. But on top of that, just talking about the player and the transfer on its basic merits, the price, it needs to be right. I think that 30 million plus add-ons for stuff like, you know, winning the Champions League or um, I don't know, what else could you say? Winning the league and all that stuff. If we do that, I think that's a fair price for Mane. But I don't know if Liverpool will do a fair price. We should remind them that we did give them Thiago in his final year of his contract for 30 million. So maybe they'll be nice to us and do that for us. But I don't think it goes that way. Or maybe... You know, they will pay, play hardball like we did with Lewandowski. And that is one of the stories coming out from England that they will say to us what we told Barcelona in terms of just if you want our star striker, you need to pay up. So the price needs to be right. But even though the price is right, Mane, he's mainly a winger, isn't he? I know he has played striker this season, but he's mainly a winger and a left winger at that. And don't we already have enough left-sided wingers on the squad? Like Leroy Sani, he already exclusively almost plays on the left, or at least he exclusively plays well on the left. Kingsley Coman, more comfortable on the left than the right. You have Serge Canabry generally plays on the left. But Jamal Muziala is also more comfortable on the left than the right, although he can play both sides. So I don't get it. Like, if we do sign him, is he going to be the gigantic boost that we're looking for to take us to the next level? Or is he just a backup in case both Lewandowski and Gnabry end up leaving this summer? Um, so here's what I think in terms of Mane's position. I think if we do get him, it definitely is some sort of backup for the possibility of Lewandowski's departure. I mean, we've seen him play very well at as a false nine this season for Liverpool. And... Even in the Champions League final, despite Liverpool's defeat, he was one of the standout players in that attacking line in right in the middle, not on the wing. So I do think that Mane and possibly another forward, if we do get someone like Sasa Kalajic, who's been whose name has been thrown around way too many times from my liking. So look, you can't replace Lewandowski like for like, but the best thing we can do is to try and get another world-class player in his position and at least try to replicate what Lewandowski has been doing. I know that's pretty much almost impossible, but someone of Mane caliber, if he does give us the output that he's been giving for Liverpool, I think that's not a bad alternative to pursue if Lewandowski does end up leaving. And as we know now, that could be a very real possibility next season. And I just think that we need to be ready for any possibility. If we do get Mane to replace Levy, then, of course, it's not going to be like for like. But all the same, it's going to be one of the best alternatives we can get at this point. And as for the left winger problem, I don't really think we're trying to sign him as a left winger or this could be a ploy to pressure Gnabry into playing better or playing for a new contract or whatever so so yeah we could there are so many questions more questions than answers at this point of a transfer that may or may not be happening but all I can say is we just have to wait and see and preseason can't come soon enough I guess yeah I 
guess that is pretty much how we have to take it. Do you think there's a chance that Mane could come without Lewandowski having to leave? Um, maybe. But I do think that the chances of him coming with Levy still here are significantly lower because if he does come when Levy is still here, he wouldn't be able to play in that false nine or number nine position. He would have a lot of competition vying for a spot on the left wing. Like you said, Leroy Zane, although considering his recent performances, I don't really know whether to call him competition or not. Um, Serge Gnabry, King Klikoman, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't think Mane would be that comfortable coming into an environment, an unfamiliar environment and having to compete with players who are younger than him, who might have more potential. I know that's questionable, but they are younger. They may still have a higher ceiling that they can hit. Whereas Mane, I think he already has hit a ceiling. And the good thing is that he doesn't seem to be coming down from that ceiling, but still... He is on the wrong side of 30, and I don't think Mane will want to come to a place where he can't use his full potential to play like the player he is. And that's where teams like PSG could come in and swipe him up. And, well, that's something that we don't want to happen, don't want to see happening. But, yeah, I think with Levy leaving, there's a higher possibility that Mane will come. I'm not saying that Levy has to leave for Mane to come, but in terms of just probability well my point was and i was going to say this but i don't want to interrupt you but i think that if levy stays and money does come then that would mean that we managed to sell ganabri for some amount of money and right now we don't have any rumors of ganabri wanting to leave he seems to want to sit on the contract that we've offered him and I think that's just code word for I'm going to leave for free next season and you can't do anything about it. And it's frustrating to see us in this position once again. But I would hope that at least Bayern try something to get him to leave or sign that contract if he really doesn't want to stay at Bayern. Like if he can't make up his mind because we can't go into another final year and expect no transfer fee for someone of Galabri's caliber. For Mane, I I don't really understand like the idea of signing him and then maybe playing him as a false nine. This pretty much seg- segues into our next topic, which is the idea that Bayern Munich might play a strikerless system next season. And, you know, I, I don't, like, I'm very skeptical, okay? I don't think Julian Nagelsmann has chops to fall off a proper strikerless system at Bayern Munich. I'm sorry, but he is not going to be able to do it. First of all, to pull off a strikerless system, you need a good base. You need a defense that allows very, very few shots on target. That is not what we have. Second, you need a midfield that can generate chances and can hold the ball. Again, not what we have and not what we do with our midfield. Finally, to have a strikerless system, you need someone that can score. That is not the striker. Look at our finishers right now. We have Serge Gnabry, who is a pretty decent finisher when he's on song, but how often is he on song these last two years? Then you have Leroy Sané, who, who really needs to polish up his shooting. Casey Coleman, we know how bad he is at shooting. He can't really hit headers either, except for that one time. And I don't know what else to say about our wingers that hasn't already been said. 
Jamal Musiala has promise. I, I'll give you that. But like we can't put a massive scoring burden on a 19-year-old. And Thomas Muller is there. And Thomas Muller has always been probably the second or third highest scorer at Bayern Munich for every season that he's played for us. But Muller has always operated in a striker system. He's never played well in a strikerless system. And I think the knock-on effect on Muller could be catastrophic for our squad and might force us back into a striker system before like before th- two or three months are over. So that is my concern with the strikerless system that is being suggested. People seem to think that he can just transition away from Louis, spread out the goals that he scores, and be fine. They look at teams like Pep's Man City or... Liverpool with Klopp and see, yeah, we can just copy that. We can do that. But they kind of miss the point that those teams are doing something. First of all, something that they're doing is quite extraordinary. And second of all, Pep just bought a new striker. He's not going to continue playing strikerless. He doesn't believe in that kind of system. They just played it out of necessity. So, Teddy, you tell me, like, do you have faith that if we let Lewandowski leave, Bayern Munich can transition to playing without a true striker? Well, I'm kind of on the fence on this one for um, for a number of reasons. Um, for starters, Julian Nagelsmann has proved that he can kind of sort of operate in a strikerless system during his years at Leipzig. I know he had the likes of Timo Werner or He Chan Fang or Alexander Sorloth who can operate as strikers, but they weren't they weren't strikers in for for the sake of naming strikers, you know what I'm saying? So they weren't your classic number nines. And if we're going down that route, I would say that if that is what Julian Nagelsmann's strengths are, if that's where his strengths lie, then I would say give it a shot. I mean, we all know that next season was going to be a huge transitional season. And I would say that if he needs time to work on whatever system that best suits him, I would say go for it. And I know we at Bayern are not patient. We need results. We are not a club that is used to long transitional periods. But I do think that a coach needs to play the way that he thinks is good in order for him to utilize his full potential. And Nagelsmann has tried to play a system with Levy and Muller and the results have not been that satisfactory the last season. So I think maybe it's time to try something new. And this is a big maybe. I'm not completely on board with this. And here's the flip side of it. Bayern have always played with traditional strikers, be it Gio Elber, Roy Mackay, Mario Mandzukic, Gomez, Lewandowski, We've always had somebody who you could call a striker up top. We didn't have what Pep does with Phil Foden and Raheem Sterling. We didn't we didn't have what Jurgen Klopp does with Sadio Mane or Roberto Firmino. And I'm not saying that a coach should force his way into to, into a club's DNA, but you try to shift a club's identity almost if we're going a bit far. You tried to shift the club, the way a club's been playing for years and years, decades, really, and suddenly try to morph it into something completely different. And there are going to be consequences. And that's where, I guess, the whole transitional time comes in. But how long is that going to take? 
right? I mean, we've seen what Nagelsmann has tried to do with his back three and whatnot, and we all know the results of that weren't exactly pleasurable. So that's my worry. If we try to move forward with the strikerless system, then it might not have the desired effect soon enough, and we might be able to, we might end, end up parting ways with Nagelsmann sooner than we expected or sooner than we want to. Well, that is my concern as well. But And my problem with this strategy that we're pursuing right now is that if we do put all our eggs in the Nagelsmann basket and morph our squad to playing his style of football, and then that style of football doesn't stick, where does that leave us? Nagelsmann gets fired, but then say we hire a caretaker, someone like you, Pinkus. I'm just, I'm just naming names for the sake of a hypothetical. So say you, Pinkus comes in, what, what do you give him to work with? You give him a squad that has already failed and is built for a manager who is no longer here and does not have the tools to play according to its DNA. So what does that leave the manager to do? You end up in a Man United situation where every manager that comes in makes a half rebuild, gets sacked before the rebuild is complete because the results aren't showing. And then the next manager comes in and needs to pick up the pieces from that half. So you, like I have heard this process described as like, you look at a boat that is out at sea and you see it and you think, what's what a nice boat. I'm going to build a house with a boat in the in view. And you start building the house, but then the boat moves and then you decide, okay, I can't build a house here. I move down the beach and build a house there and then the boat moves again and you build half a house and keep and you end up never building a house because the boat keeps moving so i don't understand like why nagelsman really wants to change our dna if it is just a matter of necessity because Lewandowski is leaving i get it things like that happen but wouldn't it still be better to get someone like sasa kalizic or darwin nunez who is rumored to be back on the transfer list for us because Benfica are agreeing to lower his price. Wouldn't it be better to get one of them instead and just continue where we left off and try and get the striker more involved? Already we saw issues in Nagelsmann system this season, just trying to get Lewandowski any proper service. So what happens next season? If service is already a problem in a formation that already has a striker, what's going to happen next year? Will it get better or worse? And as far as I can tell, or as far as I want to predict, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better anytime soon. Strikerless systems are harder to execute, not easier. And I don't understand how this pervasive idea has gotten into the fan base. I keep seeing it everywhere. We're going to be more flexible. We're going to do this. You're going to do that. Like, where is this idea coming from? There is a reason most teams play with striker. It's easier. It's more efficient. And if you take that away, where does that leave us? Where, what do we have to go forward? Not just with Nagelsmann, but in the case that he gets sacked, where does that leave us? Does that leave us in limbo? Well, I think to answer your question about the sake of necessity, I think that part of it is kind of forced due to necessity because, again, we can't replace Lewandowski like for like. And someone like Klaizic, we know he's nowhere near as productive as Lewandowski and Darwin Nunes, as talented as he is and as high as his potential is, we don't know how well he will adapt to the Bundesliga or to higher level European football. So I think that what Nagelsmann is trying to do is finding some sort of middle ground. We get, we try to play without a striker as a necessity until, I don't know, something does come up. And 
this is a big if. Like maybe the next rendition of Erling Haaland does show up in the next few years. Maybe this is just kind of a stopgap measure. And if this stopgap measure pays off, then we don't really have to um, invest in a new striker as as badly as we do right now, per se. But on the flip side, I do agree that the risk is very high because, like you said, there's a reason that every that almost every top team plays with a striker. Man City will be playing with a very good striker next season. Liverpool, well, we'll leave it at that because we don't really know where they're going to go. Real Madrid have Benzema. Real Madrid have Benzema. Barcelona, well, let's not talk about other teams this much because I don't know where Barcelona is going either. But in the case of they're getting Louis, so exact. Oh, there you go. So yeah. Um. So yeah, I do think it is kind of a stopgap measure, kind of out of necessity. But as a stopgap measure, the risks are too high, and I do share your worry that this might lead us to. I don't know, places that we don't want to see Bayern in, like losing the Bundesliga title, dropping to the Europa League. I know I'm being catastrophic. Come on, my God. Imagine being in the Europa League. I've never seen that in my time as a Bayern Munich fan. Yeah, well, first time for everything, I guess. No, please. Come on. Well, that's my... Well, I'm just saying that... It, as a stopgap measure, there are risks that need to be taken, but this might just be a risk that's taken too far. Okay, so based on what we've said so far, I think we should move on to our next topic, which is the fact that Bayern Munich don't seem to really have a cohesive plan for the transfer market this summer. I think that as far as the board is concerned, we had a few highlight transfers that we really needs to get done and have been planned for a very long time, which was Masrawi and Gravenberch. And we seem to have landed them, no problems. But everything else, I don't actually understand what the plan here is. We did not get a center back, which maybe we should have. I don't know if we still are going to. We are pursuing Sadio Mane, and I am, as based on what we discussed today, I we are not sure what role he's going to fill in the squad once he gets here. Maybe he'll be the false nine in the striker system. Maybe he'll be a winger, or maybe neither of those roles. We don't know, and maybe we might not even get him. Then there is the pursuit of Sasa Kalajdzic. We have met his agent, but we don't know if we will actually go ahead and get him. And if we don't, there is a decent chance that Dortmund might snap him up. Darwin Nunes has been mentioned as a potential transfer for us, and we might be back in on him because Benfica are possibly going to lower the price for him. Then there is also guys like Sebastian Aller and co who could be replacements for Robert Lewandowski in case we let him leave, which is looking more and more likely. And finally, we have our pursuit of another midfielder from RB Leipzig, which is Conrad Leimer. And I'm skeptical of the Leimer transfer because I look at this squad and I can't figure out where exactly will Leimer play. And in fact, I can say that about a lot of our potential transfers. I just can't figure out based on what we've seen for the past season or so, where these guys will slot into the lineup and where they will really improve us. And because of that, I really feel like Bind does not have a cohesive plan for this transfer market. Like we are just doing things for the sake of it and trying to help Nagelsmann get some kind of a quality squad together. 
but it's lacking the vision of previous windows where we seem to know what the squad would need to look like at the end of the window. Well, I think as far as transfer strategies go, I don't really think we've had a decent strategy for the past two or three markets, to be honest with you. I mean, we've seen what happened in last summer's transfer market, or two summers ago, I'm sorry, when um, when we got the likes of Bunasar, Mark Rocca, Douglas Costa, Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting, and they were panic buys. Let's let's be real. And the summer after that wasn't that much different. We didn't really get anyone. The only real notable transfer we got was Marcel Sabitzer, and well, look how well that ended up. Uh, you already year, forgot about Upe Meccano? Oh, right, him too. Yeah, but eh, then again, I mean, he wasn't like the success, the the next coming of Jerome Boateng or or whoever that we wanted him to be, right? But at least so, he was like a necessary transfer because we knew Boateng and Alaba were leaving, so he got their replacement in. So he was, but I'm just saying that this season and last season, okay, maybe last season had a bit more strategy than this season. I agree with you that this season we don't really seem to be plugging up holes where we should be plugging them up because apart from the Masrawi signing, I, I think that we did need a decent right back and we got one. So that's good. Um, as for the Limer signing, I do agree that we, if there's one position that we are completely stocked at, at the moment, it's central midfield slash defensive midfield. Now I know none of our guys are true DMs per se, but all the same, we do have a lot of players like Joshua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka, Zabitzer, um, even Pak Jamal Muziala and Ryan Gravenga, who is supposedly coming. And you add Limer to the mix, that's way too many central midfielders for a position that only allows two places in a starting eleven. And, yeah, as and for... you're assuming that Corentin Tolisso and Mark Rocco are both leaving, so... Exactly, exactly. Uh, thank you for mentioning that. And and also, I really think that the two key areas that we need to address desperately are center back and another winger. I guess the winger thing would probably be um, partly uh, partly addressed with the money transfer if it does happen. But even that's kind of a kind of a toss up between striker and winger. And other than that, we do really need another center back with Nicolas Zule departing. I know they're planning to move Benjamin Pavar to center back, but come on, do you really trust him to be an outstanding center back in a Champions League quarterfinal if we do get there? Probably not, right? So we do need another center back for depth. I don't trust Tangin Yangzu. I don't trust Benjamin Pavar. I'm sorry, I know they're dedicated players, but they haven't really shown enough to convince me that they're starting quality in Champions League matches. And yeah, just going off of all that, I do think that the areas that we really need to be pursuing aren't being pursued. And maybe, and this worries me that we're going, we're going back to Man United, but we seem to be making big name signings just for the sake of big name signings. You look at Man United's last transfer market, they got the likes of Rafael Peran, Jaden Sancho, Cristiano Ronaldo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone was going like, oh, we're going to win the league with this squad. Well, look what happened to them. And the, the one thing that keeps me from going completely overboard and thinking we're going to end up in the same place as United is that 
Julian Nagelsmann does seem to be spearheading a lot of these transfers, which may indicate or imply that he does have some sort of idea of where he wants his squad to go, what he wants the squad to look like at the start of next season. But all the same, if this is what our squad is going to look like next season, then I'm not entirely sure that we're going in the right direction or if Julian Nagelsmann even has an eye for good quality players, that is. Well, uh, I should just point out that Julian Nagelsmann is the guy who advocated very hard for Marcel Zabitzer to be signed. And to be honest, when we signed Sabitzer, we thought it was a good signing because Nagelsmann wanted him. It was clear what kind of role he could play. And then he gets here and then he cannot fit in at all. And Nagelsmann himself seems to be confused as to why he just can't seem to perform. And based on that, I'm just a little bit concerned about how Nagelsmann, like, his ability to integrate players into the buying system of play, his ability to influence buying system of play with the players that he buys, and his general eye for talent, really, because you look at the players that he did not use this season. He didn't use Omar Richards, who I think, I genuinely think he's quite talented and he should have been given a chance when Davies was out. He didn't use Mark Roker at all. And even though pretty much all buying fans have been asking, for a DM to play for us. Then there is the fact that he has, how should I say, he did not really give much of a chance to Joseph Stanisic. He doesn't really give Tom Guignol two chances, even in games against smaller opposition. He just seems to be very risk averse in that regard. And I don't know how he evaluates certain, how he evaluates certain players and how it's really going to, affect us going forward like normally you think that Brazo as far as I know Brazo is very predictable he signs players based on what we need and he knows who he doesn't want like Timo Werner he knows that he didn't want him and he never let Hansi Flick get his hands on him and I respect him for that I don't think Timo Werner was a good signing for us I understand that Brazo has had his detractors but he has a vision for the club and he sticks to it and he seems to want us to play the same kind of way that we have for a long time Whereas Nagelsmann, I, given what we saw with, for example, the back three, I don't know what his vision for the club is. He switched to a back three and three wingers and this and that, and he never committed to any of it. He always abandoned it halfway and never followed up. Nothing ever improved. And we are back at less than square one. We are actually looking worse right now than we did at the beginning of the season when Nagelsmann first took over and he just had what he had left over from Hansi Flick. So I don't know, like, should we give Nagelsmann the responsibility of reshaping our squad? Should he even be anywhere near the negotiating table? If he doesn't want a player, he should obviously speak up. But should he be the one making demands? Well, I do think that a coach has to have some influence on who signs who's, who signs who. because. I mean, we've seen what, I mean, I'm not saying that every signing that Hansi Flick made was a success because, well, even Bunasar apparently was Flick's choice and we all know how that turned out. And so you're going to have hit or miss signings either way. But I do think that Nagelsmann should not be given full reign over the transfers because he is trying to lead 
the club into a direction that is, I'm not going to say it's the wrong direction because we don't know yet. We've only given them a season, so I'm going to be slightly more rational than I normally am and give him the necessary time that he needs. But we don't know where this path is going to lead us. And so far from the results that we've seen over the past season, it doesn't look that rosy of a path. So I think that transfers need to, they definitely need to be made after consultation between the coach and the board. And for that to happen, I really do think that Salihamidzic and Nagelsmann need to get on the same page because we're hearing reports coming out that what they want, what one wants and what the other wants are two completely different things. So that needs to stop as soon as possible. They need to get on the same page. They need to steer the club into the same direction, whether it's the right direction or not, we'll find out later. But in order for there to be I don't want to say harmony because it sounds like too rosy of a word, but in order for there to be consensus within the club and for them to steer the club into what seems to be the right direction, at least in their view, they need to get on the same page as soon as possible. They need to make the signings together. And, well, we don't really have to spend money just for the sake of spending money. Look where that got Barcelona. Look where that got Man United. And as a club that's been, well, I'm going to use Herbert Heiner's favorite excuse as a club that's been severely hit by COVID more than any other club in the world, apparently. We have to use our finances very responsibly in this season. And I'm going to be a bit more optimistic here because the fan-related expenses are all coming back this season. So hopefully we can have a bit more disposable income come next summer or even this summer for that matter. But yeah, I don't I, I honestly don't know what to expect going into this transfer market. I don't know what to expect going into next season. So I'm just gonna sit back and just see how everything transpires, I guess. And hope, fingers crossed, hope that we're in a better place than we are right now and or at least not in a worse place than we are right now, which I guess is saying a lot. Yeah, I guess so. Like Right now, as far as I can tell, the plan for next season seems to be a strikerless back three formation and play like that for the entire season. And I cannot imagine anything more horrifying to watch on TV than that. So I hope that doesn't transpire. And as far as Nagelsmann is concerned, I hope that he just you know figures it out. I want him to figure out what he really wants all throughout the season. I have gotten the impression that he doesn't, he has some idea, some vague notion of improving Bayern's playstyle, but he doesn't seem to make any kind of changes that would actually make us improve. He doesn't seem to be making key adjustments that we need. Our pressing needs to improve. He says that every single game that we concede goals, he says that we need to press better, we need to do this, that, but it never seems to change. None of the tactics seem to change. He says that, for example, we need to take our chances better, but the attacking setup never really seems to change. We don't have any changes going into how we defend. All of these things, whenever we seem to identify a flaw, nothing has ever really been addressed. And because of that, I'm just very skeptical of allowing Nagelsmann to head a complete rebuild at this squad because I'm, I'm, I just don't believe in him. I, I have lost all faith in Julian Nagelsmann. 
You know what? I actually think you brought up a really good point there about Nagelsmann not making improvements because I think what the Nagelsmann we expected when we signed him from Leipzig was this flexible, um, improvisational coach who always thinks on the spot. He's able to change from plan A to plan B just like that with the flick of a switch, no pun intended. And you know, just being that coach who got Leipzig to second place in the league, who got them to the semifinals of the Champions League, but instead were treated to this stubborn manager who doesn't seem to be making any changes, even though there are glaring holes in the problem. We've seen this through that hybrid back four, back three, whatever the hell that was over the course of the season. And he never really changed that. The one time he did change it was when we played that almost suicidal back three with no wing backs and three wingers and everything like that. And and while that did have its moments, particularly against Salzburg in the Champions League, it didn't really stick as a as a decent enough plan B, did it? So I'm just worrying that Nagelsmann's plan A isn't working, but he's not willing to change it. Now, if he is willing to change it by going to a permanent back three with no striker, then I guess we'll have I guess we'll have to see how well that works out. I'm very skeptical about it, as I think you are. But, uh, I mean, I just want to see signs of positive change. I think I speak for every Bayern fan when I say that. I just want to see us... We don't have... To play, let me put it this way. We don't have to play the way we played under Hansi Flick. It would be best if we did. But let's be real, Hansi Flick and Julian Nagelsmann are completely two completely different coaches. And as much as we love and respect Hansi Flick, he's not going back to Munich anytime soon. So we are stuck with Nagelsmann and we have to trust whatever vision he has for the club. And if that means playing to his strengths, and if that means in turn playing as a back three with no strikers, then I say give it a try. But all I want is for him to make the necessary positive changes to improve on what he's failed from last season to improve on what everyone has seen is identifiable as a flaw in the system and just present his Bayern as a new improved machine come next season. I know I'm probably asking too much of him, but I'm willing to give him time as long as he shows signs of those positive changes. I, I think I sound like a broken record when I've been commenting this a lot over the past few weeks. But if he shows positive change, as long as he shows signs of that, then I say we give him time. If not, then, oh, well, I know a coach shouldn't be too hard in this market, right? I mean, there's no one available. We'll have to call you again. Anyway, so... I think we should just leave it at that because we started repeating ourselves by the end there. So this mm-hmm. was Bavarian Podcast Works. You were listening to I Need No Name and Teddy's Son. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, pretty much any podcasting platform you want. And we are also on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works. And we have our blog, which is BavarianFootballWorks.com. Please come and say hi to us. We have a wonderful community full of discussion about pretty much everything buying related. And this was our first flagship in a quite quite some time. We are hoping to get our schedule under control. We have received your submissions and we are going through them. There are quite a few and it's going to take us a little while. So bear with us and we will see you next time. Whenever that next time is good night.